is its king glory that pursues me with his love and haunts me with each hearing of his softly spoken words my conscience a reminder of forgiveness that I need who is this king of glory Offers it to me. Who is this King of Angels? Oh, the blessed Prince of Peace. Feeling things of heaven, all its mysteries. My spirit ever longing. For his grace in which to stand Who is this King of glory The Son of God and Son of Man His name is Jesus Precious Jesus The Lord Almighty King of my heart King of glory Who is this King of glory Oh, it's strength and majesty And wisdom beyond measure He is the gracious King of kings The Lord of earth and heaven the creator of all things. He is the king of glory. He's everything to me. His name is Jesus. Precious Jesus. Lord Almighty, king of my heart.
Good to see everybody here this morning. And just as y'all probably noticed, we didn't start with baptism today. Just a, a slight change. We have moved that to the end of the service. For those of you that are wondering, even though it's in the bulletin, we can change that. Y'all know that, don't you? If it's in the bulletin, it's not the gospel. But um, it's a part of our. It's a part of the message today, and I believe it's going to be an important part of this service. It's always an honor and a joy to be a part of a service like this, where we get to glorify the name of Christ. And we get to celebrate with those that are publicly declaring their faith in baptism, but we will do that at the end of the service. We do want to welcome you here today. If you are visiting today, we would encourage you before you leave, stop by our guest table. It's located in the, the lobby. We have a guest bag we'd love for you to pick up. If you would uh, like to fill out information and like more information about our church, you can fill out one of those guest cards and you can leave it there at the table and we'll get that. Um, but we would love to have a record of your visit. But as we begin our service, I just want to read a passage of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 25. It says, O Lord... You are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. So as we gather here today, may we worship the Lord in spirit and truth. I'm going to ask you to stand, and as you're standing, take a minute to wave at your neighbor. Um, we're still not shaking hands. So wave at your neighbor, welcome them, and prepare your hearts for worship. Is the power of Christ in me. 
our God. Deuteronomy says this in 31 verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not, be, do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. That's a good word. Let me encourage you this morning to go back and read Deuteronomy 31 6. Let us pray together this morning. Father, you're our God this morning. And without you, we're nothing. But we want to thank you this morning that you're our strength. And Lord, you've encouraged us in your word to be strong. And don't fear. Lord, don't be afraid of what we face. Because you're on our side. And Father, this morning we thank you for that. We thank you that you're the Lord our God. And you're with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll go with us wherever we go because you live within us. We thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit. And, Father, we praise your name this morning. That, Father, that we're never alone because you're our God this morning. And, Father, we want to thank you this morning for those who are following you in obedience and baptism. I pray you'd bless their lives. Lord, their walk with you their journey of faith. I pray you'd lead them and guide them all the days of their life. I pray that your good hand would be upon them. Your favor would be upon them and their families, their children and their children's children. I pray your blessings on their life. And Father, we want to thank you this morning that we have you to come to this morning. And Father, we want to thank you for your loving presence. Thank you for loving us this morning. Thank you for living in us and giving us a hope that's eternal and that's beyond here. And Father, we want to thank you this morning for your presence. We want to thank you for being here this morning. And Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
voice tormenting doubts. Prayer after prayer, still there's no way out, and it seems like pain. So you praise team. Was that not a blessing? Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Thank you so much. If you will, be finding your place to Acts chapter 2 as our praise team makes their way to their seats. I just got a few announcements. I hate to make announcements up here before I preach. Um, October the 11th, we will open up partially. We're going to start Sunday school on October the 11th, and I'll give you more uh, details about that as time comes. Also, October 1st, we're going to open up our facilities, so if you'd like to reserve the gym or whatnot, you can just call the church office and we'll reserve those. Also, I want to mention October 3rd is the Larry Daniels Golf Tournament. 
We have a sign-up sheet out there in the foyer. The reason this is so important is this is our Baptist men. Uh, they're not in our budget. So 100% of what you give through this golf tournament uh, goes to support missions. Our primary mission that we're supporting, again, this year is the orphanage in Romania. Uh, many of you know about that, Finding Hope Ministries. Uh, and also, I want to mention this, that if you look in your bulletin, if you look at the building fund, for the first time, we're under a million dollars. So we want to thank the Lord for that. That's a blessing. And just to let you know, I speak on how all this came about here and how God worked this out. And I said, the building's not a miracle. The land is a miracle. There's no way that if you don't know anything about the history of this church, it's just a God thing that we even got this land. It's just, it's just amazing. But when we built this building, it was such a blessing. People don't realize in 2007, 2008, 2009, people were not working. Every subcontractor we hired for this building, it kept their job. When you go out in the foyer... The lady that painted that, it kept her job, kept her livelihood. The construction company that built this building, it's the only job they had. So it's just a blessing. If you built this building today, it would be between 10 and $12 million. And we built it for $4.5 million. Untold, I don't know how many people have been saved in this building, discipled, how much money's been raised through fundraisers. This building has been a blessing. And today we have our first baptism. Is that not a blessing? And I'll tell you this, be patient with the baptism. I've never done this, all right? Here, like the way we're doing it. But I'm honored to baptize every one of you. Some of these guys, especially, are on my one card. So this is a blessing to me. But today, if I can get through this service, we're going to talk about baptism. So if you have your Bible, stand with me and turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick up midway through Peter's sermon. He's preaching on Pentecost. Hundreds of thousands of Jews are in attendance, and he's preaching about Jesus Christ being the Messiah. Now think about that. He's in Jerusalem, Passover. Hundreds of thousands of Jews are in attendance, and he's preaching, saying, you're lost unless you place your faith and trust in the resurrected Jesus. Tremendous sermon. I mean, it's a very challenging sermon. Peter was just days after, 40-some days after the resurrection, and God has changed Peter's life so much. Notice what he says in verse 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. That's very important. He was the king of Israel. Through David's line would come the Messiah. I, every Jew understood that. And David and Peter's saying this, he's dead. He's buried. We don't worship dead and buried people, right? They're dead and they're buried. Then he says, and his tomb is with us to this day. It's almost like he's pointing toward it. David's not here. He's dead and buried. His tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus... God is raised up, of whom we are all witnesses. And it's like Peter's saying this, his tomb's over there. He ain't there. That's how, that's, that's how dramatic this was. That's, that's why, how, how mind-altering and life-changing this was. His tomb is there, he's not there. Notice verse, the next verse, Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says this, The Lord said to my Lord, 
Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And Peter says unequivocally, the resurrected Christ is the Messiah, and you must place your faith in him to be saved. The temple is no more. Sacrifices are no more. Judaism is no more. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And then he says this, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Convicted is what that means. It means to be ripped in two. You remember the first time you heard the gospel? The first time I heard the gospel, and I've shared this story with you a thousand times while you're standing, it was the day after the prom, and my mother-in-law, who's over here, who was not my mother-in-law at the time, uh, encouraged me to go to church with her daughter because it was the day after the prom. And I remember sitting in Millersville Baptist Church on this side, and I was ripped to shreds. I was never the same. I didn't get saved that morning, but I was cut to the heart, convicted. Only God can do that. It's supernatural. So when Peter's preaching about the resurrected Christ, they're cut to the heart. These Jewish people are cut to the heart. This is supernatural. You cannot make this up. It's a God thing. It's a sovereign act of God, and he cut them to heart to the heart. And notice what he says. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They gave the invitation themselves. What shall I do? What they're saying is, we believe you. Then Peter said this, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off. And as many as the Lord our God will call is for everybody. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly, this is the, this is the order. Then those who gladly received his word by faith were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. What an amazing sermon and what an amazing response let's pray jesus we love you we thank you for your word father i thank you for this day lord it's it's so important to me and to so many i want to thank you for uh lord these that are going to be baptized father first and foremost i thank you for their faith in you lord i want to thank you for their faithfulness to you and father i'm honored today to take part in this service with them i want to thank you for their family that are here friends that are here for everyone else in attendance lord i pray that you would encourage us and challenge us through this thought, biblical baptism. And we'll praise you and thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The Lord has only left two ordinances to the New Testament church, two ordinances, things that God has ordained, okay? And that is for the church, the Lord's Supper and baptism. The requirement for membership at East Tailsville Baptist Church, and it's non-negotiable, is a profession of faith. We don't give you a litmus test. You tell us you're saved. And then, since your day of salvation, have you been baptized by immersion? Ordinance just simply means this, something that is ordained. I'm talking about the ceremonial commands of Scripture. The Jews in the Old Testament were the only religion to have ordained ceremony. God ordained certain things in the Old Testament like circumcision, temple worship. Everything in the temple was to God's spec. God's specs. No one else. Okay? Everything God said, I've ordained this temple area. You do it to my specs. Dietary laws were ordained by God. All of these were a shadow of Jesus to come. Christianity has no ordained ceremonies. Think about this. 
There is no ordained clothing. I can wear whatever I want to. Isn't that a blessing? I can wear a t-shirt at East Hill Baptist Church and preach. Isn't that a blessing? I don't have to wear a tie. I don't have to wear a collar. I can, but I don't have to. I can cut my hair any way I want to. Isn't that a blessing? I can wear anything I want to. I can cut my hair any way I want to. Think about this. There's no ordained music that we have to play as long as it's spiritual. It doesn't have to be a certain style. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. It's not ordained. We can eat whatever we want to. Can I get an amen for bacon? The Jews couldn't eat bacon. Our church building, God didn't give us specs. This is not the temple. It's our church building. We don't have to have a cross or a communion table or stained glass. We don't want to. It's not ordained. We're free from the shadows. The Bible says in the New Testament, we don't worship shadows because the substance has come and his name is Jesus. So we're governed by his word and his spirit. A day is not even ordained. The Jews worshiped on Saturday. We can worship on any day we want to. We choose Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead. We can worship any way we want to. But there are two things that are ordained. The Lord's Supper and baptism. The first point is this. Baptism is a command in Scripture. Baptism is a command. Notice in Matthew 28, the Bible says this. And Jesus spoke... And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. This is a command. It's ordained in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a command. Jesus said this in John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. Baptism is a simple but profound act of obedience that you will carry with you the rest of your life. And I would encourage you, if you've never taken that step, your next step of obedience is baptism. I don't care how old you are. MacArthur put it this way, If you cannot be obedient in the matter of the simple act of baptism, which the Lord has specifically commanded every believer to do, is that not indicative of a less than obedient life? Which explains a lot of things about the weakness of the church in our day. When Jesus said, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them, when when he said that, he gave a command to the church to baptize. Clearly that is the Great Commission. When the Holy Spirit, I just read it, said this in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, he gave a command to the individual believer to be baptized. Christ commands the church to baptize. The Holy Spirit commands the individual believer to be baptized. And when all 3,000 who believed on the day of Pentecost were immediately baptized, they set the example for the church. So we are under the commanding words of Christ as a church to baptize. We're under the commanding word of the Holy Spirit as individuals to be baptized, and we follow in the line of the pattern and example established on the church uh, on the day the church was born when every believer was immediately baptized. Now, as clear as and as unmistakable as these scriptures are, there is still a widespread noncompliance with this simple command. You never read of an unbaptized believer in the New Testament. They're, they can't be found. So baptism is a command. Now notice the second thing. Baptism is always by immersion. Words matter. You cannot change words. This is God's word, right? Is this God's word? It's inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant. Everything about this book is perfect. You cannot change words to fit your denomination. You can't do it. Words are matter. Okay? Words matter. It matters. The Bible has words for sprinkle. The Bible has words for drizzle. And they're nowhere used in reference to baptism. Listen to this thought. What is baptism? Simply this. A phys- from a physical viewpoint, 
It is a ceremony by which a person is immersed, dunked, or submerged into water. That's what it is. It's a ceremony by which a person is immersed, dunked, or submerged into water. That's what baptism is. That's the physical act of baptism. Look at these words on the screen. Words matter. I can't change the words. All right? Look at, the, look at those two first verbs, bapto and baptizo. Baptismos is a noun. Okay? Now listen to this. The two verbs that are used in the New Testament are bapto and baptizo. Bapto is used four times, and it always means, always, to dip, to dip into, to dip into die, to die. So in all those cases, it, D-Y-E is what the word die means. It means to submerge or immerse or to dip into. A stronger word than bapto, an intensive form of bapto, is baptizo, the second word, from which we get baptized. Baptizo is used many, many times in contrast to the four times that bapto is used. The more intensive word is used many more times. It always means to dip completely under. And it's a word, it, word, it could be, it was used in, in that culture to mean to drown, totally submerge, dunking in the water. It means this every time it's used in the Bible. It never means to pour or to sprinkle. The, the, the baptismos is the noun form of it. It means baptize, okay? You can go through the entire New Testament whenever you find the word baptize translated to immerse, and you would have the meaning as it's properly understood. John MacArthur put it this way. It is interesting to understand that the verbs bapto and baptizo, the first two words, are never used in the passive sense. Why is that important? In other words, water is never said to be baptized onto somebody. Always someone is baptized in the water. Never is water baptized on someone such as sprinkling or pouring or putting water on your finger and dabbing it on someone's forehead. Never is water baptized on someone. Always someone is baptized into water. Baptism always means an immersing, submerging, or dunking into water. Look at the last word there. And if you can pronounce that word, I'll buy your lunch this week, okay? That word there means to sprinkle or to drizzle. In the Bible, every time, it's never used ever in reference to baptism. Why? Because baptism is always, always in the New Testament by immersion. Every time. You cannot change words. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. You can't. How has the early church viewed this word? Martin Luther said this. If you consider what baptism signifies, you'll see that that the same thing, immersion, is required, even though he didn't require it. John Calvin wrote, It is evident that the term baptized means to immerse, and that this was the form used by the primitive church. Paul Schiff wrote this, Immersion and not sprinkling was unquestionably the original normal form of baptism. Immersion shows the very meaning of the Greek word baptized. John Wall, an Episcopalian, wrote this, Immersion was in all probability the way in which our blessed Savior was baptized, and certainly the most way used in baptism, I'd say the only way. It's the only way. To the Greek mind, John the Baptist meant John the baptizer, not John the poorer or John the sprinkler. It may be interesting to you to even to this day, the Greek Catholic Church always immerses because that's what the word means. few illustrations from Scripture. Mark 1.5, we're going to translate the word from baptized to immersion. Mark 1.5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him Confessing their sins, they were immersed by him in the Jordan River. John 3.23 on the screen says this, Now John was immersing at Aon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being immersed. Why do you have plenty of water to immerse? Acts 8.38 says this, As they traveled along the road and they came to some water, 
The eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being immersed? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip immersed him. Then they came up out of the water. So let me ask you a question. Since you've been born again, have you ever been immersed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? So baptism is a command. Baptism is always by immersion. And number three, baptism always occurs after salvation. Baptism always occurs. Look at the word after. After Baptism doesn't save. Nowhere in the Bible does it say baptism saves. Baptism occurs always after salvation. 27 times in Acts, baptism is recorded, and all 27 are after salvation. Listen, so any Jew that was baptized on the day of Pentecost in the name of Jesus Christ was taking a bold step. This is why it's important. He was suffering from, or she, alienation from the culture, alienation from the synagogue, alienation from family, alienation from everything. The price was high, and it was very simple. Nobody who was a half-hearted convert was going to be baptized. When you're baptized on the day of Pentecost publicly in front of your mom and daddy, who were going to the temple, you were saying, Jesus is my only hope, and the temple is not. They would excommunicate them. They would be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many of you have heard the name David Nasser, but he's a was born in Iran, I believe it was, and I had a chance to meet him back in 2000. And uh, he, I think he's maybe at Liberty University now. But he says that whenever he came, they fled during the Iranian Revolution. And he said when he came, he, in the community that he lived, his dad was a very strict Muslim. And he said he told him to go do things, meet people, so he started going to church. His dad didn't care if he went to church. Didn't mean nothing to his dad. And then when he was about 18, he come home and told his dad, he said, Dad, I got saved. His dad didn't care. Those were just words. His dad told him, he said, Son, do you remember when you played tennis for six months? Do you play tennis now? He said, No. Remember when you tried surfing? Where have you surfed? Yeah. Are you surfing now? No. He said, You'll get over this too. Not a problem until David come home one day and said, Dad, this next week I'm getting baptized. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, his dad said, Get out of my house. Leave. Do you know that in India today, and Todd Payne will be here October 11th, and he can confirm this. A lot of times they'll take a big five-gallon barrel that we use to burn things in. All right, Take them out in the middle of the woods and baptize them. You know why they can't do it in town? Because they'll kill them. They take a vow of death. Baptism occurs after salvation. It is a picture that I am following Jesus. Baptism was the invitation and the profession of faith. Notice Acts, Acts 8, or Acts 20. 241, I'm sorry on the screen, forgive me. The the verse that, or the section that Peter preached, he said, then those who accepted his message, yes, we receive it. Jesus is my only hope, we're baptized. After they accepted the message. Notice in Acts uh, 8, the eunuch. He'll show this verse. And the eunuch said, now the eunuch is coming back from Jerusalem. He's reading a scroll about Isaiah 53, where it talks about Jesus being the Messiah. And then he says this, and, and, and Philip comes to him and says, you understand what you're reading? So he explains the gospel to him, and then the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Baptism always happens after salvation. Always. There is not one doctrine to think of that has given more people false assurance of salvation than this one. There's not a doctrine in America that has given more people false assurance of salvation than this one. Why? Because so many people are baptized before they're saved. 
Do you know how many verses there are in the Bible about infant baptism? I'm not here to make anybody mad. I'm just being honest. This is biblical baptism. Show it on the screen. This is how many verses? Zero. There's none that go along with that. And people can do what they want to, but your infant baptism is not good here. The Bible records no New Testament Christians who were not baptized by immersion and they were not baptized before salvation. We are not... Uh, we don't. We do not participate in paleo baptism. Paleo in Latin means infant. We do credo baptism, which means we baptize you because you believe. I'm getting baptized because I believe. Infant baptism. Good Bible-believing Christians baptize this way, but that is not biblical baptism. Where did it come from? John MacArthur put it this way: Early on in the Roman Catholic Church, the, Rome, the Roman Catholic Church did it to secure everybody into the system. They wanted to wrap everybody into the system, so they baptized all the babies and made them quote-unquote Christians. Then they belonged to the church. They were under the control of the church. They were under the domination of the church. Even the reform view of infant baptism, which is a little different than this, which is the idea that Christian parents can baptize their babies and they become little members of the covenant, which is confirmed at their time when they can recite the catechism properly, that too is rooted into this Roman Catholic system of baptism. Baby baptism is for mom and dad, not the child. You cannot impart faith into somebody by throwing water on them. Baptism does not make you holy. Baptism does not save you. Baptism does not secure you. Baptism does not uh, provide you some ongoing power. All baptism does is demonstrate your obedience and give you the joy of obedience and the blessing of obedience. Martin Luther, who was strong on justification by faith but never distangled himself from the Roman Catholic infant baptism said this, listen. He believed that baptizing a baby brought regeneration to the baby, cleansed the baby of sin. And when he was asked this, listen, these are his words. Somebody asked him, how can you affirm that if you believe justification by faith, how can you affirm infant baptism? He said, well, somehow a baby must be able to believe, which is a bizarre kind of thing, is it not? I don't know about you, but all I know babies do is eat and need their diapers changed. I don't know of a baby that has faith in anything, okay? You cannot impart faith through a work. Faith in Christ alone saves. If someone has been baptized in an infant, that does not save. If I baptize an adult who has not placed their faith in Jesus, they just get wet. You're not born again. I got saved on November the 18th because I got saved on October 30th, 1990. My baptism didn't save me. It was just an act of obedience. Jesus saves, pastors don't save, parents don't save, rituals don't save, this water sure don't save, and I can't say magic words over you to save you. Just can't do it. Salvation is a personal thing. Listen to these words about faith and salvation. Romans 4, 5. But people are counted as righteous. You're right with God. Think about that. The night I got saved, I remember the person that led me to the Lord said, Jamie, are you right with God? I'm like, are you kidding? No. No. People are counted as righteous. You're right with a holy God. The angels right now are in heaven singing, holy, holy, holy covering their eyes and parts of their body because he's so holy. Are you right with him? Paul said this, people are counted as righteous, not because of their work. You can never be good enough. You're a sinner before a holy God. All our righteous deeds, Isaiah said, are as filthy rags. Being baptized doesn't make you holy. That's a work. Listen, people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Place your faith in Christ alone for salvation. Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. 
That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Listen to this, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, personally believes in him, trusts in him, clings to him, shall not perish but have everlasting life. Galatians 2, 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. Not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. When the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself, he heard Paul and Silas singing. He says, sirs, they said, don't do yourself any harm. He's going to kill himself, commit suicide. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the greatest theologian other than Jesus Christ was Paul the Apostle in the New Testament. No other. He said this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Place your faith in him. It has nothing to do with baptism. That comes after. Baptism is always, always after salvation. The final thing is this. Before we go into baptism, baptism is a picture of a new life. What are the two things it shows? The first one is this. I have died to my old life. I'm dead. When I got baptized on November the 18th, you know what I was telling Alexander County? You're not going to see my, my name in court news anymore. Not anymore. I'm not doing community service anymore because I got saved. I'm not, that, that Jamie's dead. I'm not going to your parties anymore. Not going. That guy died. He's dead. Scotty, you remember we went to Wilkes Prison? I drove by Wilkes Prison yesterday in the, in the poker run on my Harley Davidson. What a blessing. And I, well, you know what came to my mind? is when me and Scotty and Jack, Connie Wagner, and some other people went to Wilkes Prison, Con, Scotty said, I'm going to speak. Connie's going to speak. You're going to preach. Now, she tells you what you're going to do, okay? And then we're going to baptize. And it was at night. I said, okay. So we get in there. I don't think I saw a baptistry in that little, that little building we was in. Scotty spoke. Connie spoke. I preached. Gave me an invitation. Some men had already been saved. Some men got saved. And Scotty says, hey, we can't baptize in here. We got to baptize outside. I said, oh, okay. So I explained baptism to these men. I said, listen, you know what you're going to do today? You're not being baptized in here. If you truly follow Jesus, you're going to be baptized. You, we baptized here. The yard was right here. Everybody's playing basketball, doing what they do in Wilkes Prison right here. You're being, and I said, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be baptized in front of all your inmate friends. And what you're telling them is that old man, Johnny, what's your name? He said, my name's Johnny. Johnny, you're, that old man's dead. And if you don't want to be baptized, don't, don't come here to me and ask me to baptize you. I think we had two men who, who declined. I said, well, good, you don't need to be baptized anyway. We started baptizing men. And I told everybody, hey, this guy's name is John. And I yelled out to the yard. I said, hey, guys, you guys playing basketball. This is John. And John is demonstrating his faith in Jesus. And he's telling you by being baptized that the old John is dead. And everything got quiet. Amen and amen. And by the time we got to the last guy, we started, it just randomly, the prison people started singing Amazing Grace. It wasn't worked up. See, what you're saying today when you get baptized, candidates, is I have died to my old life as best I can forever. Forever. And then you're saying this, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. We cannot take baptism without first embracing the reality 
of what it represents, a living relationship with Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, and I'm walking in newness of life. Chuck Colson said this, and I'll repeat what I said earlier. Most Westerners take baptism for granted, but for many in the world, the act requires immense courage. In countries like Nepal, it wants men imprisonment. For Soviet or Chinese or Eastern Bloc believers, it was like signing their own death warrant, but they did it anyway in obedience to Christ. I never preach on baptism without mentioning Dorothy Hutchinson. When I was associate pastor here back in 2004, or actually 2003, what I would do is take the, new, the visitor's cards, and I'd read them, and I'd respond to them. First day on the job was a Monday, okay? I got this card that said Dorothy Hutchinson, 70-plus years old. I want to know more about the church. I want to be saved. I had her phone number. I tell the pastor time, hey, you know Dorothy Hutchinson? said, yes, she's the lady that sits in a wheelchair in front of the church. She wants to be saved. Let's go to her house. She lives off Springs Road. Remembers like it was yesterday. So we go in there. We're talking to Dorothy. Dorothy said, I grew up in church, never had a relationship with Jesus. Took communion, was sprinkled as a baby. She said, I've never been born again. How can I be saved? We shared the gospel with her. Almost tried to talk her out of it. She prayed to receive Christ. You have two grown men and an elderly lady crying in her living room, bawling like babies. She says, what do I do now? And I said, you need to be baptized without thinking. See, Dorothy had one leg. One leg. We had no elevator here. Okay? We had two flights of stairs. Baptism over there in the sanctuary is on the third floor. I thought, how in the world are we going to do this? So you know what we did on that Sunday? We carried her up the steps. Carried her wheelchair up the steps. Had a couple ladies in there with her. We had Craig and I in the baptistry. We had another guy, like, snorkeling. <laughs> All right? We had the doors closed. She took her leg off, handed it to a lady, and we carried her down the steps. We set her on her knee, and then we talked about Dorothy. And we said, I said, Dorothy, is Jesus Christ Lord of God? Yes. You promise to follow him all days of your life? Yes. Then we baptized Dorothy. Bring her back up. You know what she does? She waves to everybody. She said something like this, the happiest day of my life other than my salvation. And I remember when we shut those doors, we had to carry her out. I looked at those men. I said, if Dorothy Hutchinson can be baptized, does anybody have an excuse? You know what your only excuse is? You're either lost or you're just disobedient. You have no excuse. Biblical baptism says, I've died to my old life, and I'm a follower of Jesus. It is a command. It is always by immersion. It's always after salvation. And it demonstrates your relationship to Jesus. This is not something that we take lightly here at East Hills of Baptist Church. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you need to be born again. Your salvation does not save you. And if you've been saved, I don't care how old you are. I've baptized them from five years old to 82 here. You need to be born. You need to be baptized. And I'm honored to baptize these six here today. And we're going to go into our baptismal service. And you pray for me. We've never done this before here. First baptism in the history of the Jennings building. I'm going to have to take my shirt off. All right. First person, I'm going to ask Kaylee Doster to come up here. Do what? Oh, I'm sorry. You got to see their videos. Never mind. Yeah, sit down. I'm sorry, Kaylee. Thanks, Kevin. My name is Kaylee Doster, and I'm being baptized today because I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sins. I wasn't really raised in church. Um, I didn't really think about God or anything like that. I was just floating through life. And then I got saved last year, and 
I've changed so much within that year, and I'm excited to get baptized. Hey, my name's Christopher Fox, and I'm being baptized today because I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I was raised in church, baptized as a child, but as I got older, I went through a season of rebellion and questioning things, and Jesus came back into my life, and he gave me a new heart, a new outlook on the world, and I just want to profess that today as an adult, a decision I know I'm firm in. My name is Josh Crouch, and I'm being baptized today because I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. In April of 2020, I sat down and prayed, and I was saved. Growing up, I was never really raised in the church, and um, never got to experience what it was like to have a church family or anything like that. Um, due to some traumatic experiences I had and stuff I would seen and like witnessed as a kid, I had a lot of feelings of distrust and anger, and I kind of carried those throughout my whole life. Not making any excuses, but I kind of made decisions in my life based off of those emotions. Decisions that kind of set me back sometimes, and no matter how far I progressed in my life, I would make a bad decision and take 10 steps back from everything I'd done and have to rebuild from there. Then I met two special people in my life who shared their testimonies with me and kind of explained to me what it's like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Whenever I found out what that was like to them, I just knew I had to experience something like that, so I began to pray. And all the things from my childhood that I had trouble talking about with others, I was able to share with them. I was able, able to share it with God in prayer. And from there, it just, it's been awesome. Hey, I'm Cody Sigmund, and uh, today I'm being baptized today because I believe in Jesus Christ, and he, he saved me, and He forgave me. I used to struggle a lot with being saved, and I was uh, baptized when I was a kid, and uh, saved when I was a kid. I just didn't know uh, really the significance of it then. And then as I was grew older, um, the world and Satan and everything just really got into me. I didn't even know it at the time and until I was so wrapped up about it. And I was questioning my salvation at the first of this summer. And uh, we were out in the parking lot, and Jamie was preaching on being justified. And I was just being, uh, felt like I was being convicted about, well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. So I was like, I want to go up to his house after uh, service is over and talk to him about it. And he told me about Romans 10, 13. And ever since that day, I just, I know I'm saved. And ever since that day, I just give my talents to him, uh, Jesus Christ. And my whole life is a living sacrifice to him. And I just thank him for saving me. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So the very first person to be baptized in the Jennings building is Kaylee Doster. So I'm going to ask you to come up. And I want you to stand right here for just a second. Kaylee, I really appreciate this young lady. I've got to know her over the summer. And she's from Indiana. And I just want to say hey to her family from Indiana. And thank you all for coming. Let's give them a hand clap. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, last week I, I preached about how all things work together. And it's amazing how she ends up here. Uh, and God saves her. And uh, God has a great plan and purpose for your life, lady. I just want you to know that. I was telling our staff, I said, God's going to do big things through her. So we're going to ask you to step in the water. We'll take this. This is new to all of us. And just sit down there. Yeah. And if you'll grab your wrist. I'm going to ask you two questions, Kaylee. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Kaylee, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death. Raised a walk in newness of life. 
God bless you. So happy for you. There you go. Hey, love you, girl. God bless you. God bless you. All right, next we have Chris Fox. All right, you getting in the water yet, bud? Don't get in the water yet, bud. I'm going to talk about you here. Say you were nervous. Hey, listen, I've known this guy his whole life. Uh, Susan and I rode to school bus together, and we're related on down the line. And you don't know how long I prayed for this guy. And to see his spiritual growth. I don't know. We text off and on for a year. Uh, he about bugged me to death a couple times. But he's witnessed to so many people, and uh, it's real. And I'm just honored to baptize you today, buddy. All right, I love you. I want you to know that. Chris, I'll ask you the same questions I asked Kaylee. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Well, Chris, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the newness of life. I love you, man. God bless you. All right, next we have Cody Sigmund. And this is my nephew. And just a couple things about Cody. Cody, Cody's been traveling in country music, and he's met, you know, all the well-known people uh, that you can think of. And I'm really proud of him. But he's met Jesus now, and uh, that's the most important thing. And Cody, I want you to know I love you. Great to see your uh, your growth as a Christian. I'm honored to baptize you today, buddy. Cody, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Cody, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Love you, buddy. All right, next we have Josh Crouch. here Josh I'm really I'm really excited for Josh Chris and I prayed for Josh uh, I don't know since February uh, Josh does the same job I did at Taylor King Furniture so you'll probably pastor a church sometime okay I just want you to know that but uh, it's, it's a blessing Isn't it a blessing to see somebody you pray for I didn't even know Josh really well but I knew Chris and Chris loved him and Chris prayed for him and he's here today and he's born again and I'm gonna tell you something God's got a plan for you brother Okay, just say yes to Jesus. I'm honored to baptize you today. So you step in the water. Josh, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? You promise to follow him all the days of your life? Josh, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the midst of life. God bless you, brother. Amen. Love you. Proud of you. Next, we have Logan Walters. I really appreciate Logan and his his wife, Jayla. Honored to have y'all here at East Hills Baptist Church. And just want you to know, Logan, I'm honored to baptize you today. Love you, brother. Okay. Logan, I'll ask you the same question I asked the other ones. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Logan, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in his life. 
God bless you, brother. I love you, man. Proud of you. All right, next we have Tyler Curley. Ninth grader. Doesn't it show a lot of courage to come up here in front of y'all to be baptized? To Chad and his family, I just want to say God bless you. And thank y'all for being so faithful. And as Kaylee was the first person to be baptized, he could possibly be the last person to ever be baptized in here. We don't know. But uh, Tyler, I'm very excited to baptize you today. And I appreciate you and your family. And I'm going to ask you to step in the water. And sit down. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked them. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Tyler, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. God bless you, buddy. Hey, I'm happy for you, Tyler. God bless you. All right, okay, I'm wet, but we have a couple things we need to do. We got some people going to join the church this morning. So if you're going to join the church, if you'll just come up here and stand at the front. Jeff, you'll just stand right here. Hey, Justin, you can come up with Ava. You can go up there with her. Okay, first we have uh, Derek Getz. I really appreciate Derek and Tiffany. Uh, he works for Iredell County. She works for Catawba County. She's a paramedic. He works for the Sheriff's Department. He's the head of our security team. I've known Derek for a good good long time, and I really appreciate him. And he's been through Class 101, been baptized, wants to join the church. Do we have a motion to accept him as a member? Do we have a second? All in favor, say aye. All right, God bless you. Welcome to East Tales with Derek. Glad to have you. And I'll, I, if, for those of you that are new, we give a brick. And what that brick simply means is this. Nobody here is better than anybody else. Nobody gets preferential treatment. It takes all of us. We're just a brick in building God's kingdom. Amen. Next, we have Jeff Millsaps. And I really appreciate Jeff. When Jeff comes. He's going to join by letter. And you can come on up here, Mark. Give him a brick. Yeah. And do we have a motion to accept Jeff as a member of East Hills Baptist Church? Do we have a second? All in favor, say amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. Glad to have you. All right. And lastly, we have Ava. Ava Fox. I got a text from Justin the other night when I was when I had my granddaughter going to sleep, so I couldn't respond. Then she sends me a video, just out of the blue. And the video is Ava telling me that she got saved, and what a blessing it is. And she comes this morning to let you know that she's a Christian and that she's going to get baptized in the future, and she's going to join the church this morning. So we have a motion to accept her as a member. Do we have a second? All in favor, say amen. Amen. God bless you. Welcome to East Tellsville Baptist Church, Ava. Sorry. Has this not been a good Sunday? Hey, listen, I want you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer. For those of you uh, who are here to see the baptismal candidates, it'll take them a few minutes, but you just wait when I dismiss, and they're going to come out, and you can talk to them. But the most important thing in life is Jesus Christ, knowing Jesus. And for those of us that know Jesus, when you leave these doors, you're his missionaries. You're his missionaries. Now, last week I said this, and I'm going to close. What do you expect to happen this week because of what you prayed for last week? I'm thankful I got to see some of mine this morning. Pray those type prayers, amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. I want to thank you for those who have joined. Lord, I love them dearly. For those that are baptized, Father, I, I pray for their families. Lord, some traveled a long way, just blessed. Lord, we thank you for this great day. We just want to tell you that we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people stay together. Amen. Listen, as you leave, we're going to dismiss you by, by uh, section. Th those on my left, you can go ahead and leave.